Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. scripturing this morning will be taken from the book of Matthew, the 15th chapter, beginning with the 21st verse. And here you will find in this scripture different insight, a very unusual one into the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and the relationship that we can have with this Lord of ours. Listen to the scripture. And it says, Jesus left that place and went off to the territory near the cities of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman who lived in that region came to him. Son of David, sir, she, she cried, have mercy on me. My daughter has a demon and is in a terrible condition. But Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples came to him and begged him, send her away. She is following us and making all these noises. Then Jesus replied, I have been sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. At this the woman came and fell at his feet. Help me, sir, she said. Jesus answered, It isn't right to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. That is true, sir, she answered. But even the dogs eat the leftovers that fall from their master's table. So Jesus answered her, You are a woman of great faith. What you want will be done for you. And at that very moment, her daughter was healed. Lord, help us to understand what we read this morning. If I could name what we want to talk about this morning, it would simply be, I want to be. It's amazing <clears throat> what we read here within the scripture. I can still remember something the first time that uh, those been years ago when I began to see something of the greatness of this encounter that this lady had with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I won't be able to go into all the details of it this morning because of the limitation of our time, but there are some things here that's absolutely marvelous and astounding when you think of it in terms of a relationship that you and I can have with the Lord Jesus Christ and what it can mean to us. Now, if I asked you this morning, if you were a theologian, you would say no in all probability. I'm really not. Because theology is something that they deal with over here in the seminaries that we have, the two very fine ones we have here in the this, this city of ours. And we think about it as something that some professor somewhere in sort of a musty stay of place communicates to a certain selected group of people. But on the other hand, if I asked you, well, what do you really believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? And tell me uh, something about how you see him and how you relate to him. And then you would proceed to tell me how you perceive the Lord Jesus Christ and how you relate to him. And you would never identify that as theology. But dear friends, that's exactly and precisely what it is. So you see, in a sense... Every living one of us is a theologian in a sense because we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's interesting the way that this lady had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ the way that she saw him and how she saw him 
and how she responded to what she saw. It was absolutely, it absolutely amazed the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we miss it some. The same story is carried in the book of Mark, along about that the seventh chapter and the twenty-ninth verse. It reads like this. See, Jesus is amazed at what this woman is saying. For such an answer, you may go home. The demon has left your daughter. You see, Jesus is completely amazed. Can you imagine the Son of God being amazed? Well, I know there's some things about it that sort of amazes me too, that he would be amazed, but he was. And if you read it like it should be read, and the original language, you will see that, that Jesus was astounded. That he couldn't help but do anything but to respond in a favorable way to this lady. Though it's a serious situation, I think the Lord Jesus Christ had a smile on his heart when he responded to her because it was such a delightful experience that he had. He liked it. He loved it. It was meaningful to him. He was, he was glad to be able to find someone that had this type of a, of a concept of him and wouldn't be driven off by the disciples. You see, this, is, this woman was a very courageous woman. The disciples wanted to get rid of her. Now in my walk of life, <clears throat> I have found those people from time to time. Oh, that I'd love to be like them. I'd love to be like them. I would like to be like this woman, to be able to say the right thing at the right time. Now folks, that's important. But it seems to me that I'm always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. I'm a little bit jealous of these people that, that are able to do it. They're... Uh, they, they're just quick of wit and, and quick of mind and they can make the right response that, that needs to be made. I, some years ago, was the, on the board of ministerial training here within our, within our conference and I had a close contact with, with all of our young preachers that were coming into the, to the conference, into the church. And I can remember, I do remember, with, a, with a very fond memories of a young man that was a very capable young man, a very sensitive young man and he had one of our churches not too far from here, small church and he just graduated from seminary and after he had been there about six months he came and, and he said, Don, I've got to talk to you and so we sat down and talked and he said, Don, I've got to give up the ministry he said, now here I have been out at that little church and, and I've done the best that I know how to do and, and I've had no response at all, he said to the people haven't even, even encouraged me, really. And he says, I haven't been able to win one soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we haven't won one soul to the Christ. He said, I think there's something wrong. And he says, I, I, I don't know what to do, but I know this, that I, I don't think I can take it. I, I can't do it. I'm prepared to be a teacher. And I, I think I'm going to be a teacher. And, and that was his mind was made up. It wasn't two weeks after that that I met a family that I knew in that church quite well. And in talking with them, the man said that how much that he appreciated his little, little preachers who referred to him. And said some other complimentary things to, uh, about the preacher. And I said, have you ever told him that? He says, no, I haven't. I said, well, don't you think you ought to or something to that effect? And he said, well, he's supposed to get around to do it. I said, well, I said, don't bother. I said, it's too late now. I said, that young man, and I rehearsed the story in his ear. I said, he's, he's finished with the ministry. I said, he's leaving. I'm envious of these people who can say the right thing 
at the right time. My friends, it is important. Let me say to you, it is. I, I am indebted to Peter. You know, we can stand just a little taller as human beings because of Peter. That, that, that man, he, he did say some things he couldn't live up to, but thank God he said them. I remember one time he was right on target. You remember the Lord Jesus Christ was having a very difficult time with the crowd and he was speaking to them and he was actually telling them how difficult it was going to be to be a, his follower. And when he told them how difficult it was to be a, one of his, you remember the great group of people left him. They took off in every direction and left him. And I'm led to believe that nearly everyone left him all but the little bunch of disciples there. And he turned to the disciples and he said to them, Will you also leave me? And here this gap was broadening between the Lord Jesus Christ and mankind. And it was old Peter that stepped in the gap before it got too, too wide. And said something to the effect, Lord, if there's any other place to go, we would have been gone already. But there's no other place to go but you. And in fact saying that you are the one and the only one. Thank you, Peter, for saying the right thing at the right time. For the Lord to know that there was a, a human being upon the face of this earth, saw what the situation was, knew what it was, and stepped into the gap and said the right thing at the right time. Now I remember he didn't do so good at some other time. In fact, when the Lord said he was going to Jerusalem, Peter tried to stop him. But after the Lord had put Peter back in his place again, you remember Peter and one of the rest of them, one of the others said, well, we will go with you. And we will die with you if need be. Well, they were not able to carry it out. But they, they were saying the right thing at the right time. I'd like to be like that. In fact, I'd like to be like a friend of mine that's a used car dealer. He owns these lot, and I guess he's already made a fortune by now. <clears throat> in fact, I inquired about him the other week and said he was in Florida. So I, I guess he's already made his million. But anyway, no wonder he has I remember being on that car lot one time talking to him about some other things. He's such a nice guy. He's the kind of guy you just want to talk to. And so I was out there talking to him one day, and a guy came in on the lot, madder than a wet hen. Now that's pretty mad. Oh, he was mad. It seems that my friend had sold him a car the day before, and, and something was wrong. He didn't like it. Oh, it was terrible. I thought, well, I'm just going to stick around and see how the old boy handles this situation. And so I got off a little worried, and I listened the best I could strangest thing developed. He talked to the man gently. He says, now I know that you're upset and mad now. He said, let's talk it over. Talked to him quite calmly and in a cool way. And I heard most of his, what was going on. And he said something to the effect. says, I knew this car was too small for you to start with. It's not the cancel and so on. And you know what that guy did? He talked that man into giving that car to his wife. And sold him another car right there on the lot before he got away. And I thought to myself, Boy, if I could only be a preacher like that. Boy, if I could only say the right thing at the right time. Doesn't it behoove us as Christians that have such a marvelous master and savior to think in terms of how I can say the right thing at the right time. What have we said that is really creative, loving, kind, and considerate outside of talking about the weather? And then I... I wish that I had this charisma that people talk about. <clears throat> I think this girl had it. Oh, the disciples couldn't see it. They wanted to get rid of her because she was hollering around. You know? <laughs> but 
charisma. I, that, that word we use. And I understand it to mean that the ability to get a love response from another human being. Now I have a preacher friend of mine that's medium plump. And he's got, I think he's got it. Because that guy, he just walks around. Well, I do twice as much as he does. And he just walks around, everybody loves him. <laughs> they just love him. Well, I love the character. He hasn't done a thing for me, but I love him anyway. You know, people just walk around. They have this, they just radiate this. You just feel it going out to you. You know, I, I had this experience some time ago with the wife and I. We was watching Oral Roberts on the, on the TV. And he was coming through loud and clear and doing a fantastic job. And I don't want you to think that I'm against Oral Roberts and what he's doing. He's a great man and doing a great service for God. I'm just making a point, that's all. Now he came to the end of his message and then he began to talk about money, you know. Well, no one talks about money more than, than our brethren that do that kind of job, you know. And I tell you, he came through, he convinced me almost, that he almost had me convinced that he really loved me. And if I really responded to his call, the Lord was going to do something for, for me through him. And I almost was ready to write out a check. Well, I didn't, but my wife did. <laughs> Got through to her, you know. But he has this way. You know, you can't help but listen to that man. He, he's got it. You, you feel it. You sense it. There's, you know, I, I remember, had this experience a little before this, being in, to see a lady, and she had uh, stopped coming to church, and I went by to see her. She's sort of a character anyway. Well, anyway, I went by to see her. And when she stopped coming to church, she said, well, the preacher doesn't care and doesn't come around visiting and all that sort of stuff. So I went by. And so she wasn't too friendly at first, but she did invite me in and gave me a piece of pie. And I've told you about this before. And gave me a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. And we're sitting there eating it. And then, of course, the conversation went on. I found that she was disappointed in her church because it hadn't done what needed to be done, but uh, she was sending a good offering to Oral Roberts. Now, I couldn't help but say to her, do you think uh, Brother Oral Roberts is going to visit you? Hmm. I thought she was going to take the pie back, but she did. <laughs> I'm only making a point. I, I note these people. They have a quality within them that, that is beautiful, that is wonderful. Don't under, misunderstand. I'm not talking down. I think it's wonderful. I, I love to be around these people. I wish I had this quality. That uh, you, they just radiate love. You would sense it. You would feel it. It's not that we don't love. Okay, I doubt whether you're going to find another preacher. And I say that's not boasting. My modesty keeps me from saying more. <laughs> but I, I doubt whether you're going to find a preacher who's going to love you anymore. Not a problem of love, it's how to communicate this love. It's how to communicate it. That's the problem. I feel sometimes like I think the dog must have felt. I'm guessing about this, but this is a true story that I saw one day some years ago. Five little boys were going out to play ball, I'm sure. And they happened to be walking down the sidewalk where there was the house, fenced in by this side of it, by the street, was a board fence. Not too high, but they couldn't see over it. And in close in that, in that yard was a dog. And that dog heard these little fellows going by, yakking and talking, and it just that dog just went wild. And that fence had a, had a knot hole in it, I believe, just a big enough for that dog to stick his nose to and growl and bark at it. And so those little fellows went right by there, and the first one had the bat on his shoulder, and he took it off and punched that dog's nose. <laughs> just went on, put the bat back on, and went on, just went on, you know. Next one came by and he had his glove and he hauled off and hit that dog's nose as hard as he could with that glove. Missed every time, but they and he just went right on. 
The other fellow had a ball, and he's walking on the other side, and he all off and hit that board fence with that ball, throwing it at that dog's nose. Well, he missed his mile. He must not have been the pitcher. But he went on, just picked the ball up, and just went on. The other little fellow came along there, and he kicked at that dog's nose, but he couldn't get his leg that high. Of course, that dog was putting his nose through and bringing it out and just yelling and barking and carrying on. The other little fellow, he couldn't do much more than spit at the dog, but he tried. You know, I sort of feel, I felt sometimes like that dog, you <laughs> know. That wasn't a very, that dog didn't have any charisma, you know. He didn't have, he just didn't have it, you know. And there he was trying to be a good dog, protect his neighbor from, from the kids and, and being a good dog, but he didn't have the charisma for these kids. But they didn't stop around to argue with the dog, they just did their thing and went on. Well, I don't want to be like that hound dog. I want to be able to have this charisma that we hear and that we, we talk about and that somewhere along the way that uh, we ought to pay attention to and try to be as kind and considerate and as loving as we possibly can because we represent a great Savior and Lord. And then, <clears throat> and I'll hurry, I would like to be something like some of these people that have a sense of dress. My goodness, and I'll hurry about this situation, I have a friend and a preacher friend of mine and he has such a keen sense of, of dress. I really envy him. I, wherever you see this guy, you can bet it, your boots that everything that he has on all matches up. He's got a striped suit on, he'll have a striped tie. Whatever color you know is just, just perfection. And wherever you see, I think he even shines his teeth up too, you know. He says, ah, you know, you can't help it. Just, everything just fits together. And just, just beautiful. I was out here the other day and had green socks on blue suits. Someone looked at and said, hey, what are you doing with those green socks on? The other day I thought to myself, well, there's no need of making one leg because it's not right. Suffer because of the other leg. So I put a different shoe on this foot. <laughs> Went out to the ball game, you know, sitting there. And a little kid looked over at my Hey, look, the preacher's got on the different shoes. I remember going into church at one time. The ladies were having a great meeting at the church. And one of the ladies and I had on a tie, a white tie, with some blue spots in it. And one of the most forward ladies of that church, and I love her dearly, she took one look at me and said, Yike! A pokey dot tie. <laughs> well, I felt bad all day. But you know these people that, uh, they, they just have a sense of, of what goes together and, and able to put it together. And I, there's other extreme too that I, I sort of like to be like them to, to a degree. Not in an offensive way, but to a degree. I, I tell you about my brother. He reminds me of Pigpen in the funny paper, you know. Whatever he puts on, a dust cloud follows him around. If he went into a restaurant, the way he was dressed, they wouldn't let him in. He would think, well, what's wrong with them? I'm well dressed. And he would look horrible. But it doesn't bother him. Well, he never had two socks that were alike, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> but if he did, it doesn't make any difference to him. He just wears it that way. If a tie doesn't go along with the rest of his clothes, well, he's lucky to he thinks he's doing good to have a tie. You know, it doesn't bother him any. But somewhere in between, I would like to be. To be for my blessed Savior and Lord. And I shouldn't mention this one, but I'm going to do it quickly. You know, I like to be like, eat like some people. Now, they can take a head of lettuce and make a, you'd think they was eating a four, six course meal. And make it sound so good. Pull off a little bit. And you just see that they just enjoy it. And it makes me sick to look at them. <laughs> and that's all I could eat was lettuce and hop around like a rabbit. 
Well, some people can do that, but you know, I like to eat. When I eat, I like, I like to eat. You watch me. <laughs> I like to eat. But some people can do it this way, and it's beautiful. That's the way they want to do it. I like to be like some people, the way that they live their re religion. I have a friend, and I tell you about him. And every time he sees me, I don't know really what it means when he says, Praise the Lord. I don't know whether he's trying to ward off some evil spirit or whether he's really glad to see me. You know, I, I can't figure it out. But he's this kind of a guy. You know, they go around and everything is wonderful. Everything is fine. Everything is beautiful. Everything's exactly the way it ought to be. Well, sometimes it's not that way with me. And sometimes I really have to talk to myself and talk to the Lord. But I would like to be like that. I don't want to be like Jonah that says to the Lord, look, you made a fool out of me. Now I'm going to pull up a stool here and sit down and see what other dumb things you're going to do. I'd rather be the other way. That's in keeping with what the Lord wants. That's all right, Lord. Uh, just go on about my business. You know, in this business of being a minister, I have met many saints and I have found that there are certain characteristics about them that, that, that mark them as saints. And and I call one of them, one or two of them to your attention, and that is their ability and capability to forgive people. They're, they're such forgiving people. I remember a young lady had a misunderstanding with her father. Mother died, and he remarried, and then she went off and didn't speak to him for, for years. And then I remember one morning she came in and she said, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. She said, I have got to go back and talk to my father. She said, I've got to go and tell him that I understand now why he, why he did what he did. And I want his forgiveness that I was wrong. And I thought that I was listening to the prodigal son again, only it was a daughter this time. And she said, I want you to pray for me. I said, I'll go with you. No, you don't have to do that. Just pray for me. I can, I'll do it. And so she did and straightened it out with her father. And I, and I think about that young lady and... And what it took for her to do that and, and straighten it out and put herself back right with her father and her family. And, and I had such respect and admiration for her. I was privileged after that to be her minister. And I found her to be completely, totally dedicated person to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, these people have such a, such a, forgiving, a forgiving spirit. Such a forgiving spirit. And, and they have a a stick-to-it quality. That's the only thing that I can call it. They have the ability to, to remain to, stick to and abide by. I'm thinking about a little lady now that died some time ago, but I remember her and her little family. And I was privileged to be here, minister. Whenever I think of a saint of God, I think of her for some, for some reason. And I know why it is. Because of her, her commitment to God. I remember that... Uh, <clears throat> you're not the only one tells me that I'm not so hot as a preacher... Her husband, the only way that he could listen to me preach, God love him, he would have to have about three or four drinks to do it. <clears throat> and he'd only come about once a month. I, I was so good as far as he was concerned, I'd give him enough that only he had to come once a month, that's all. And so he would come once a month. That was an embarrass such an embarrassment to this lovely lady, and she was a lady in every sense of the word. And then she had a daughter that drifted away and was a great embarrassment to her. And then there were some things that were said about her within the church. And, and this went on. And one day she was in the church and I said to her, I said, are you all right? And she understood what I was trying to say. And she says, yes. She says, I'm all right. She says, it's hard. 
And I find it very difficult. She says, but you know, preacher, she said many of the things and much of what is being said about my family here in the church. You know, folk, we in the church, we can be the greatest thing that God has ever called forth or we can play the part of the devil. She said, but she said, you know, many of the things that they're saying here about my family, she says, you know, it's right. She says, it's true. It's true. She says, but I have nowhere else to go. She says, this is the only church I know. Here's the place where I made my commitment to Christ. That's the only church that I know. She says, I want to make it to heaven. She said, I can't do it without the church. Can't do it without the church. She says, unless I'm a great embarrassment to you, here's where I'm going to stay. I said, embarrassment to me? I said, you'd embarrass me if you left me. And left the church. I want to make it to heaven. I can't do it without the church. And I'm going to stay. Oh, everything, if I had anything good and pure and wholesome inside of me, it stood at attention. Because it knew at that very moment it was standing in the presence of greatness. Committed. Dedicated. What did the disciples do? They did everything in their power to keep this woman that was in need from the Lord Jesus Christ. She's acting like a crazy woman. Tell her to go away. But she got through to Jesus. And closing, there's that which I have found. You see, I'm talking about something that speaks of, of maturity. This woman knew who she was and what she was. She knew what her need was. And she knew the one who could help her. And brother, there was nothing going to turn her aside. You know, that's maturity, really, when you stop thinking about it. Now, maturity is found here. I know what maturity is. I know what happiness is. And I, want know, and I know what fulfillment is. Now happiness or maturity comes at this very point. It's not a very complicated situation to find what maturity is. Maturity is being conscious of this moment. Not so encumbered by mind and spirit that you're worrying about what happened yesterday. That preempts this moment of its possibility. Now worrying at this moment what is, you might think is going to happen tomorrow that preempts this hour of its greatness. But being conscious, maturity is being able to bring your mind and your heart and your soul conscious of this very moment. Hope there isn't any greater thing. There, there isn't any maturity beyond this. It's being able to settle on the moment that you are in and alive at this moment with God and with whatever surrounds you. Now happiness is being able to find if it be there, the diamond that is there and, and see it in all of its, uh, its beauty and being able to see every facet of it and how it sparkles and how it shines or be able to see the rose that is there and know that it is a rose and know that it gives off this beautiful fragrance and be able to, to enjoy it and, and appreciate it. That's happiness. That's it. And fulfillment comes at this point. As being able to take this what that you know, that you know that you know, and that you're experiencing. 
and share it with another human being. Maturity, happiness, and fulfillment. Does that sound too loaded too theologically? But that's the basis of life. Right there is life. And those people that I have witnessed, and I watched them, and I've seen them, as they proceed in living, and I see that they get this lined up in this fashion, I have got sense enough to know that I am standing in the presence of greatness. And every one of us here this morning has the same opportunity and the same possibility of being exactly and precisely what this woman has revealed to us about our Savior and our Lord and our relation to Him. As she had, so do we have today. And isn't it wonderful? Our Father, help us then at this very moment to know who we are and what we are so that we will be able to make the most of life at this moment for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.